What's up? We got clips. We got clips, everybody. Welcome yeah. to the Golden Hour podcast channel, which is also including clips now on the YouTube channel. If you're listening to the audio um, and you hop over to the YouTube channel, you'll now notice that we're posting clips to the channel and tell everybody how surprisingly uh, well these are performing, Connor. Yeah. So uh, typically, um, you know, we're a podcast, so we're an audio forward uh, format. So most of you guys, which we all love all of you guys, um, but most of y'all are in the Apple podcast ecosystem, uh, Spotify, and then what's the other one, Dave? I always forget the other one. Overcast. 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 Um, but we still post these to YouTube. You know, we do the we do the video recordings and post it to YouTube. And they never really did that well, but we just kept it going just to keep a presence there. Um, but we've talked about doing clips for a long time and just been an, another thing to do, right? Uh, it's hard to keep up with it, but luckily <laughs> yes. um, we have a uh, a fun new addition. Uh, Chris is a young kid who's been helping us out. Uh, he's been learning how to edit, and so by having him learn, it's given us an extra person to help us out. So we've been able to post clips, and surprisingly, also kind of not surprisingly, because they work better on a YouTube format, they're doing better than the actual podcasts <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> yes, in on fact, the old YouTube. I've never seen... Cl- I've never seen click-through rate so high in my life. We were getting 21% click-through rate. And if you're a YouTuber, um, you know how almost impossible that is, especially yeah. for a tech review stuff and especially for a podcast. If you're breaking um, like so, 10%, it's you're like, wow, t- over 10%, that's crazy. <laughs> and yeah, over 20, it's like, what? Now, of course, we're talking about uh, a relevant camera, the Leica Q. I'm referring to the Leica Q clip. Um, and then obviously... We had Kai W, who's a well-known creator uh, on the thumbnail, and he's in the video. So, you know, it's a mixture of being consistent with this show for years, talking about relevant topics, and of course, mixing in somebody who's way more famous than we are, <laughs> and incredible, and British, and wonderful, and doesn't know what a nightstand is. Uh, right. I think w. his voice, his <laughs> so, voice definitely carried that one a bit. Absolutely. But we are going to continue doing this, and I think think, uh, you know, of course, this is only like a week into it. So I don't really have that much data. But I think now you don't have to have the two channel method for podcasts. I've seen over the years, many channels, you know, let's just take uh, Joe Rogan, for example, before he switched to Spotify, Mm -hmm. he had the Joe Rogan experience, which had the full long form, you know, videos, three, four hour long interviews. And then the GRE Clips channel, which is a separate channel altogether. And it only had little segments from the show. Usually there's like three or four great little nuggets that they would pull out and they would just add a little bumper with the little chimpanzee at the beginning. (laughs) And then, um, you know, just play into a 10 minute clip, you know, Jordan Peterson's thoughts on the Bible. You know, I'm just, I just made that up. I'm sure that's a real clip. I just made that up. It's at least an AI clip. and those typically perform better than the full show, obviously, because it's 10 minutes, it's uh-uh. searchable, and it plays into the YouTube algorithm. And the reason you would do two separate channels is because YouTube treated long-form podcasts very differently from you know, short-form kind of standard YouTube videos. Well, now YouTube has YouTube podcasts, and it's a whole section, it's a whole kind of tab on the channel, and we're able to categorize our long-form interviews as a quote podcast and it gets fed into the YouTube music podcast player, just like Spotify, how they have podcasts, just how like even audible, which is an audiobook player. They also have podcasts. 
everybody's doing podcasts these days, <laughs> even though we're doing a podcast. Literally 80% of you. Yeah. Well, I just mean like, even if you're not necessarily a podcast app, they like start adding it in as a feature. Like next thing you know, you know, Instagram's going to have a podcast feed. Uh, Dude, <laughs> but you're probably um, right. And, and by the way, 80% of you listen on Apple Podcasts. So hello, Apple Podcast listeners. If you haven't rated the show in Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating or, you know, whatever stars you feel this I mean, deserves. And a listen, review. here's the truth. If you don't it. think five stars, just don't rate it, okay? <laughs> 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 yeah, if you haven't given us a rating or review, by the way, we, we haven't reminded you guys of this in a while. Please give us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. That helps with discovery. Anyways, neither here nor there. But <laughs> now uh, with the podcast tab, with the the podcast format on YouTube, I think we can post clips on the same channel and it doesn't kind of hurt the other, you know, the clips are going to do really well. Obviously our average view duration is much lower because we're going from an hour long interview to a, you know, five minute clip. So the average view duration is like two minutes on, you know, the, the short form clips and then 15, 20 minutes on the podcast in on average. Um, so I, I don't know. I haven't seen the big guys do this yet. I haven't seen like impulsive or H3 or, um, you know, other shows that are kind of the big shows on YouTube. I haven't seen them, them do this. They're still sticking with the clips and the podcast kind of format. But then again, a lot of those guys aren't super in the know with YouTube. Well, I mean, uh, so the truth, I mean, they may just be doing that just because that's what they've been doing. I mean, sure. they already have a clips channel or two clips channels. Sometimes people have multiple clips channels. And so it's like, even if it's the same to now post it all on the same channel to them, it's like, well, we've already been posting to this clips channel for the past two years. Why change it? Um, so it might yeah, just be out got of, a huge out of library. That. Yeah, but I, exactly. I think, um, I don't, supposedly this isn't going to hurt it now, like Dave was saying before, um, because the um, the way that people would be viewing things would be different. YouTube wouldn't necessarily jive with that on the same channel. Uh, they would see it as a negative. Um, but now, supposedly, because you can categorize things differently on the same channel, theoretically, this will all go great. This is kind of something I've been really waiting for and you know, it's kind of like when the Apple Watch was announced, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll start my fitness journey as soon as I get my first Apple Watch. And then, right. you know, I got the Apple Watch and I never did. But and I was kind of saying this the, uh, <laughs> on the fifth on the fifth Apple Watch, we'll, we'll start <laughs> yeah. that journey. It's kind of that same. I, it's kind of that same idea is like, I'll start a clips channel when I can kind of do it all in one because I've heard rumors of this podcast categorization on YouTube for a while now. So they finally did it. It seems to be working, um, and you know we'll give you some updates as we go on here. But um, you know, by doing clips, you can really focus in on the trends and the hacks and the thumbnails. And from each episode, you know, we can pull th maybe three clips from each show, the best moments. Yeah, so, and you could do shorts as well, and that doesn't hurt either. Okay, so it's been a week since the Apple Vision Pro came out, mm -hmm. and. Our last episode, we kind of just did a quick reaction, first look, um, and a lot of the main reviews, especially the hands-on reviews, were not posted yet. It kind of, you know, 
took obviously time for people to edit their videos and get them out. And also Apple kind of scheduled people in to have some hands-on time with the Apple Vision Pro throughout the week last week at WWDC. We had a Good Morning America clip where it's actually the only footage other than in the commercial that we saw at the keynote where you can actually see somebody wearing the headset. Robin from Good Morning America actually put on the headset, got to get some hands-on time with it, and they let the camera crew go behind the scenes and film her using it. So that's actually the only footage that it seemed to be allowed from Apple showing somebody actually wearing the headset because Marquez Brownlee, I Justine, you know, Mattia Poya, Sarah Dici, all the people that kind of reviewed this thing and got hands on time with it, they were told they're not allowed to film, take pictures, do anything when they're in that secret room where they tested the Vision Pro. So we just kind of had to take their word for it, um, yeah. which is fine. Obviously, all these people are very trustworthy. I but found that it kind of very surprising, almost, actually. I, yeah. You would think that, I mean, like, Apple doesn't need any help marketing. They do plenty fine. But still, it's more free marketing. I mean, you would think that they would want a picture of it with Justine even now. Um, I know they'll get that later when they send her a few units uh, to test <laughs> out and actually do a YouTube video on maybe in a couple months. Um, but I did I did find that surprising that they didn't want to do um, any public hands-on, I guess, except for this Good Morning America thing, which that is also surprising because since they didn't let anyone else do it, why'd they let that one slide? Yeah, it's not necessarily letting it slide. I think it may have been a bit of a competitive advantage that they had because obviously ABC, Good Morning America, is owned by Disney. And Apple and Disney clearly have some sort of partnership with this product because mm. Disney had a whole segment in the keynote. So I think there is some sort of Disney-Apple thing going on here. Um, there was a handshake so deal. Maybe part of the deal was like... It was like, hey, we'll we'll make sure we have some stuff ready for your keynote and for the announcement, and we'd love to partner with you guys. In return, you know, let Robin uh, do a segment on Good Morning America, and they're like, right. all right, fine, you know, <laughs> yeah, let us interview Tim uh, for Good Morning America, and they're like, okay, fine, <laughs> yeah, so, or or it's just you know corporate stuff. It's just like Apple is like, you know what, we want to be smart with our business decisions here. We want we want Disney to be happy. You know, let's, let's do this, make them happy, you know, yeah, make the mouse happy. <laughs> also that's been the, I will say too, like almost all of the videos and uh, Joanna Stern also from uh, wall street journal, she had a fantastic video as well. Um, but all the people I listed, all the YouTubers, they're all the tech people. They're all the kind of nerdy tech people. Mm -hmm. The good morning America video is so perfect to like send out to your mom and dad who are mm. going to inevitably talk about this. That's the video I sent to my parents. And it's just the way that, you know, traditional media kind of describes things and they're kind of this like <laughs> happy go lucky attitude. Yeah. They they stick and of on course the they still have like, some of this. Oh wow, Jeepers, Tom. This is real neat. <laughs> this is real cool. Wow. I wasn't expecting that <laughs> yeah. when I put on the headset. Wow. That's so yeah, cool exactly. and interesting, because these are the only words I can use to describe this thing. Because I have no idea what's happening. Is that what you mean? <laughs> Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, um, yeah, but <clears throat> you know, now, now that we've had some time to kind of digest the vision pro and Connor, you saw Marquez's video, you and yeah. I also talked about the vision pro mm -hmm. and also Mark Zuckerberg has now been on record talking about it. And I'd like to get to what he said later, okay. but 
what are your thoughts kind of a week after, you know, kind of digesting this whole thing? I mean, it's, it is yeah. interesting. I think it is very important uh, time for technology. Yeah. And I, I, after a week, so my, obviously you guys heard my initial reaction, which of course was a bit more on the, I, you know, I wouldn't call it negative, but a lot of people would say it's negative, my, clearly because my YouTube video, I got a lot of comments about people who were mad about how negative I was. That's fine. Um, but I think critical. it's great. I think, you were I think I was very, I'm critical. Yeah. Well, part of my personality and the way that I process information is I always look for the flaws of things first and then I, and then I roll out the positives. Um, and so now that it's been a week, I, I do see a lot of the positives. I think in Marquez's video, listening to him, he's, you know, very trustworthy person, as you were saying. Um, it was really cool to see um, how excited he got because he tests out tech every single day of his life. At this point, maybe it's starting to get boring, but he was so excited to talk about the eye tracking and how responsive that was for selecting things, which is very interesting. It's a cool way of, of getting around not having a controller uh, besides just like moving your head. Because I think how the Oculus does it is essentially wherever the center point of the headset is, if you're not using a controller, because it does hand tracking, it does the pinch select thing as well. Although I'm sure no, nowhere near as good as the Apple Vision, uh, but it's just a general like point the headset at a thing, then click on it. Or you can also move your hand and it'll have like a little cursor and then point and click, but it's not very accurate. So it was cool to see um, how excited he was about the technology. He had a lot of the same points at the end that I was saying how it's like, this is not a consumer product. This is for um, developers and the early adopters and the rich enthusiasts to get their hands on it. And then one thing he said that I really enjoyed was he was saying like, the point of this is all these people are going to get their hands on it. And then they're going to drive the direction of how this product is going to be used in the future when they have a vision SE uh, variant down the line, if they make that. So I think it's cool. I love the tech. I think it's, you know, like we said, it's, it's a whole new platform. It's a whole new OS. It's, it's a whole new everything. And it's, um, it's really exciting actually. It's just, you know, it's just not for, it's not for everybody right now. So universally, it seemed that this dystopian idea of a dad wearing a headset, not being in reality, taking pictures of his kids just is kind of just makes you feel gross and weird. Yeah. And it just, you know, even Apple's own, when you, when you hear them talk about it, they're like, we designed this, you know, with the see-through eye thing and all this and that, like to be so that you're not alone. Like you actually can still interact with the real world and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But then they do this and it just feels so weird. But um, one of my favorite podcasters, John Gruber, uh, mm -hmm. he has a show called The Talk Show uh, and he has a website called The Daring Fireball. And he does this yearly keynote uh, after the keynote interview with the executives from Apple. And it's kind of like, it's it's so cool, Connor. If you haven't seen it, I, should I haven't. Link, you, yeah, send send me that. I'd be interested to listen to it. I, I highly recommend it. It's almost like the Tonight Show with all the WWDC executives on okay. stage talking about the keynote in a very casual, humorous, but also extremely informative and getting all the answers to the questions that we have type of thing. I mean, it was okay. fantastic. It's a two it's a two hour long live show. He had the Mac engineer, the the main Macintosh guy. 
He then had the guy who is in charge of all of Vision Pro and has been working on Vision Pro for the last five years. That was probably the most entertaining and interesting segments because it was a real casual interview with the guy who's been in charge of this, who's been keeping this secret for the last five years mm-hmm. and getting some of the answers to the questions we have. And then, of course, he ended it with uh, Craig Federici, who is kind of the, is the iOS um, and Mac OS software um, engineer guy. He kind of manages all that. He's the guy with the hair who had the guitar solo. He's super entertaining and funny in his own right. Um, but one of the things that I think, w- even though it was really weird to see that, and universally everybody said that is just wrong, and I agree. The th- the interview with John Gruber kind of gave me a, a, a kind of a different perspective on the whole taking a picture of your moments with the headset thing. And it really was this interview with the guy. And I, I, you know, I forget the guy's name. I'm sorry. But he's the guy that has been working on Vision <laughs> Pro and is the lead of it. Okay. He said they put the cam they put the cameras on the headset for AR to see the hands to do the, you know, the hand clicking and all that. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, you know, we got these cameras on here. Might as well take a 3D photo with it too. Like, why not? It wasn't even something that they had on the roadmap of like, oh, and it has to have 3D video and photos. Right. And so they added the feature just with software. One of the engineers took it home with her and took some videos of her three-year-old daughter. And then they brought it. she brought it back to work the next day. And they all watched it on the headset. And he said that almost everybody in the room just like got really emotional because it was almost as if you're in a time capsule, literally seeing something Hmm. in reality. And it's, it's almost like, and that's what John Gruber said as well. When he saw that clip of the girls, you know, blowing out the birthday cake with the smoke and all that, that's what everybody was talking about. And it kind of has this hazy orb around it, almost like a Harry Potter kind of like memory or like a picture frame. Mm -hmm. He said, it does not look like, you're looking at a picture. It doesn't look like you're looking at, you know, it literally looks like you're looking through a portal of a moment and you're literally reliving that moment. And the guy basically said, who's, who's been working on this project, who's like that moment, we just realized we have to add this feature in here, even though, yes, it is kind of a weird thing. Like imagine being able to capture a moment with loved ones that are maybe going to pass away, you know, an yeah. elderly, um, you know, family member or for me as a father of a three-year-old a five-year-old and now a baby as mm-hmm. dumb as it looks like if as long as we're kind of all okay with it it's like hey let me grab this moment real quick like to be able to 20 years down the line literally you know relive that moment of course it's in air quotes because it's not real but mm-hmm. like to he said it's just it's kind of the word isn't uh, he, uh Gruber kept saying uncanny because and they were like we don't like that word cuz yeah <laughs> uncanny, bet they don't canny valley yeah uh, but he's he's like whatever the adjective is that isn't uncanny that means the same thing <laughs> he's like yeah it really truly is kind of surreal uncanny to th- it's like surreal because yeah. it's like it, it doesn't it, because you can't see the pixels because the tracking is so good because of all that it does feel like you're capturing a memory and I would love, obviously, to see this in an iPhone at some mm-hmm. point. That's something that we didn't talk about in the last episode. And that's been some things that people are saying. It's like, this is dumb with the headset. It's just silly. But then again, that 
purpose for me, like capturing a moment, my grandma, my grandma's still here. You know, we're blessed to still have her alive. I would love to capture some moments with her as dumb as it is to hold it on my face. But you know, anyways, what do you think about that? Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I can imagine how that works, you know, especially, you know, I've watched some VR videos and it is pretty cool, right? It's a cool experience. And essentially that's what you're doing. You're capturing, uh, I'm assuming a 180 degree video file that then you can, you know, store and relive through the headset, which is really cool. Um, I think it'll become more socially acceptable in time. I think it's just weird now because, yeah. um, you know, it's different. It's odd. It doesn't make sense. And it pulls, and it does pull you out of the moment. Just like, just like <laughs> this pulls us out of the moment. I mean, we're already doing that. We, you know, we're sitting there and, you know, we're watching concerts through our phones, you know, we're already yeah. doing that. You know, people are going to go to concerts with the headset on and record it so that they could watch it later <laughs> instead again of, uh, through the headset yeah. instead of, I'm like, but you could also just probably watch it through the headset without going to the concert. Um, <laughs> and record and someone else is already doing that um <laughs> but anyways uh yeah. so we're already doing that so i think it's going to become socially acceptable i think that the way that this could become less of a nuisance for family moments um like for instance if if i'm thinking of like you and your family is like hey maybe don't record when they're you know in the important times like really actually be there but like if you just want to like stick on the headset and like i don't know goof around hang out with your kids and record like a moment that then you could preserve and it's like you're just kind of preserving this age you know maybe you yeah exactly like, hey kids let's you know let's play a board game real quick and you put on the headset and you you do that or you know whatever right it's it's not a moment that you're like i wish i was in the moment i'm sure you do but in yeah, like, the sense of like well, it's not as important as like hey it's their birthday like maybe my my wife giving birth oh, or your no, wife giving birth you're <laughs> Yeah, you're in the hospital. All right, babe, uh, hold yeah. up, hold up the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that feels a little weird. And like you said, we didn't talk about the iPhone having potentially 3D cameras because they're going to want everything to work in the same ecosystem. I don't know what they'll do. Are they going to do like a camera on each side or something? You know, so that yeah, it can I don't do know. the. I, the I think 3D that's. Thing? Yeah, I heard people say like, "I would love to see this on the iPhone." It's like yes, but also, you know, the Vision Pro has two cameras exactly where your your eyes are that's pretty wide of, of a gap like are we really going to stick that I mean, on a on it could a be like a instead of it being in this corner it could be like there and there on the back i mean i've seen yeah uh phones with cameras in the dead center so essentially it would be that but just spaced a little bit so that it yeah. would work but i don't know that we'd see that for a then, while they're they're going to need more people to adopt the headset before that makes sense to put in an iphone and then obviously, like people like James Cameron are doing 3D really well without the Vision Pro. Um, so, mm. you know, I would assume, as amazing as it is with the Vision Pro, I would assume it's still kind of like iPhone quality in terms of uh, the cameras. And it's not like an Ari Alexa in there or anything. So, like, does that mean that if you just use any kind of normal 3D camera that is somewhat decent, is that going to give you the same effect when you then put it in the VR headset? So, if that's the case, then you could just use a normal 3D camera. Setup. That's true. Uh, yeah, maybe 3D cameras themselves are just going to become really popular. Uh, and instead of putting yeah, on the stupid yeah. headset and recording through that, you just have like a camcorder that is recording 3D. Yeah. Put it on yeah. a tripod and call it a day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Some other things too that were news to me when I kind of watched all these reviews and heard things is the tracking and how unbelievably accurate the tracking is. And uh, what I mean by that is... 
you know, the way this whole thing works is screens kind of pop up and go everywhere and you can put them wherever you want in the Mm -hmm. room that you're at. And from every interview that I've heard from people who had time with this, they were just amazed at how well, when you just say, I say, I put a a screen up on my wall here Mm -hmm. and then I turn around and I go do something. I maybe even walk into another room. I come back in my room and I look on the wall and that screen, that virtual screen is glued exactly where I left it. It's mm. like people are saying it's unbelievable how good the, the virtual kind of mapping is. The fact that you can just like put your head up <laughs> and spin in a circle five times and look down and it's still exactly where you set it. Yeah. Which obviously makes sense. Like that's reality. If you have yeah. an actual monitor on your desk and you walk away and you come back that monitor is going to be there still, you know, it'd be kind of weird if it popped over to the left a little bit. Or is it? We're all in the matrix. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. Another thing as well is I heard, and this was confirmed on the talk show with Gruber. This was officially confirmed by Apple. All of the interface, like apparently, you know, they said everything that you see in the WWDC video is actually real-time, you know, Mm -hmm. recordings from the headset, from that actor's perspective as they're doing it, as they're doing things. That's not something that Pixar animated in post. It's just composited into the video, obviously, to simulate what it looks like through, because obviously you're third person seeing them do this. But that's a recording from the the unit itself, um, and it's just composited. So that's cool. I think we mentioned in the last episode they're like, well, you know, we'll just have to see what it looks like later because obviously that's all not real. Well, it yeah. turns out it was. They yeah, didn't we have wrong. any type of they didn't have any type of disclaimers or anything, you know, on the video saying all images are simulated. You know, um, usually that type of thing would kind of have to be there if it's a full simulation. So, right, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. And one thing that I I knew when I saw it, but for some reason it didn't like fully click in my brain until I heard. Marquez say it was like it is running it is running its own operating system which again I was like I knew that but in fact I think I even said that um in the previous podcast but I it is cool because it's like oh right it, it doesn't need anything else it is fully its own thing but then of course you have the niceties of it working seamlessly with all other Apple things especially like like he was saying where you can just open up a MacBook and it knows like hey he opened up a MacBook do you want to connect Yes, yeah. and then it pulls it up, and I think actually it was it pulled up Final Cut. I'm pretty sure, or something yeah. like that. So I was like, "Hey, Final Cut, kind of mentioned, kind of, <laughs> totally." Well, that's so. Yeah, I mean, you know, for somebody like me using, you know, I I, I won't be getting rid of my MacBook Pro uh, as a work machine. <sighs> you won't, crazy. <laughs> of course, yeah. But technically, you could use it. all iPhone and iPad apps are available on the device as well. It's Apple Silicon. It's an M2 chip in there and so you know yeah. final cut from well, ipad but what does that mean are you loading in footage into the vision pro i doubt it but. yeah I, I i actually i would hesitate to say all apps because like even ipad doesn't have all apps from iphone um you know it's like there's sure. various things that still don't cross over so i don't know what exactly will cross over into it but yes i don't know how you would upload footage to your headset that wouldn't make any sense Maybe the footage you shoot on the Vision Pro can be edited on the Vision Pro in Final Cut. Mm, maybe. Or maybe you really do need a computer 
to video edit and that still functions yeah. as your editing machine and then at that point the headset is functioning just as a like a sidecar monitor one thing that um i found interesting is like when you're watching the video you see a virtual keyboard pop up and my immediate thought was tony stark i'm going to be able to reach out and type something right um I don't think so, actually. I, I think in one of the videos I was watching, they were saying you look at the keys with your eyes and then you do the pinchy thing to type. No. That's no, what there's I heard. A, um, yeah, that's not true. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it, um, you can, you can type uh, with your fingers in the air or on a, if you're, say you're in an airplane and you pull the little tray down, you could use the tray as a virtual keyboard. Is that what they said in the uh, podcast then? Because I think I was, I think I'm referencing Marquez right here. Um, I think he's the one who said that he, you, you would look at the keyboard with your eyes and then pinch to type. So okay. as like, to me, sounds like one finger texting. I was like, that sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds um, terrible. So I'm really glad if, I don't know where you heard that, but I if that's a, true, that's great. I saw a, a an actual um, demonstration of it. Uh, th there's other WWDC developer videos that they played to the developers mm. um with some apple employees and they had a, a full-on demonstration showing it happening so got it it's well, pretty that's cool great. that's awesome so it is a little more tony stark that's great yeah the the thing that i find the, as i've kind of marinated on this over the last week the thing that is interesting is they really are kind of even though this is you know of course a very expensive product they're keeping it kind of grounded with it's just a bunch of like floating screens everywhere. That's, um, yeah, that is what it you is. Know, you got the movie, you got the movie thing, but like there, you're still passing through. You're still seeing reality, and also too, I heard with with Gruber's conversation, he mentioned too how amazing it was how the lensing that they used on the headset is so perfect to what a human's field of view is that when you put the headset on and you see the screen it's it's as if and the the delay is so there's no, there's no delay mm -hmm. and you can't see the pixels he said it's just it's nuts how you just you remove it and there's no change of field of view so oh, interesting. it really does feel like it's not like a little bit wider like you're looking through a lens and the you know the executive said he was like nodding, like, yes, that took a long time. <laughs> that was a lot of yeah. work. <laughs> that's that's so, cool. So it's it's like a, I don't know, what's the human eye equivalent? Like a 40 mil? Something like yeah, that, it's like essentially? A, yeah, something 40, 50 mil, but it's, I'm sure it's way more complicated than yeah. that because it's a full, it's full it's, view, you know, it's your this, peripherals. It's this nonsense that happens over here that <laughs> yeah. you don't even really think about the fact that you can see it, yeah. but like, hey, put your hands next to your head. You can see them. It's crazy. Um, yes. Yeah, that's cool because I I do know that when I put on my little Oculus headset, it's like it is it's like a shadow box and then and then the everything, um, which is it's still pretty neat, but it's it's definitely not the full everything. So if that's really the case, and of course, like you're saying, it's such a high resolution, um, it is like a whole new reality, crazy. And the and then with the eyeballs on the on the back of the display, I learned some more things about that as well. Okay. That is your eye. That is a video of your eyes because there is cameras and sensors and lights and whatnot looking at your eyeballs. So that actually is your like that's not That's said, not a render? Not a, 
that's not a 3D render of your eyes. That is literally your eyes. So well, it's just they... a video. And and the reason it looks a little funky is because it's a special screen that's like layered. And so it, it looks, it when you look at it, it's perceived as though your eyes are actually behind it a couple of you know, like, like half an inch behind the glass Mm -hmm. and no matter where you're looking and no matter how many people are looking at it, it's as if, it's as if it's a a goggle, you know, it's as if there's just a piece of glass in front of your eyes, Yeah, which means if you're looking, right. If you're looking exactly, if you're looking at a different angle, you're seeing different perspectives of it. And it doesn't matter where you are and doesn't matter how many people are seeing you, they all have a different perspective of that view and it's a very i don't even know what it's called he used a certain phrase but it's a certain type of screen that has like multiple layers to it that Mm. allow the off-access ability kind of to simulate the look of you know of reality and um he said that's because if it was literally just a screen it would just it would look so dumb like from the side you know like would, i mean if you it, if you're looking straight on it already does it look kind still of still looks kind of dumb yeah you knew what i was going to say yeah <laughs> but the fact that it's essentially a video of your actual eyes and it's not uh, a 3d render that it makes me feel a little better i guess that's that's kind of interesting i did okay. not know that yeah um, how are so, they doing that cuz you're saying i mean i know it has it has it has lights in there because it's a screen, but like they're flashing. So wouldn't that create a flashing effect on your eyes? Wouldn't it just be easier to do a LiDAR 3D model? Like that doesn't... $3,500, Connor. $3,500. So that... So, <laughs> no, no expense has been spared on this device. <laughs> you know what? I say we make a $2,000 version and I lose the 3D eyes. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. It's... It's it's just part of their their whole as I've learned more about it it's just part of their whole philosophy here with this so they they want you know obviously you're paying money for this fancy screen on the outside so that other people when they look at you can see your eyes like can, that one feature is so nuts but I get the UI of it it's like if you're yeah. watching something it has this kind of home pod animation on yeah, it cool. of like that is cool. you know I'm watching something and then as soon as I walk in the room and, you know, say my wife is watching Homeland, which is the movie or the show that she's been watching like crazy. It's this horse drama for teenage girls. A horse it's hilarious. Drama. Um, it's extremely do, do wholesome. The horse, but... Do they talk? Do the horses talk? <laughs> no. Is it like it's My a, Little Pony? It's, uh, no, yeah. it's like the, it's like people Tell who about have ranches. Homeland, if you're listening, and if you if you have a spouse who happens to be in it, let let me know, into this show. Let me know. Um, it's just this really wholesome show of like different ranchers and people who you know train horses and stuff, and mm. the little minor dramas and love interests that happen amongst the horse community of people. And there's the horses, people. and there's farmer people, and the horse people. <laughs> it's um yeah. it's very endearing it's a very sweet you know um okay. innocent little show but you know so let's say she's watching that if i walk in the room the the headset detects that i'm walking in and then the eyes pop in and then it doesn't completely like pause her show but she can see that i'm coming you know towards her and it's basically like to get rid of this whole 
when you put the VR headset on mm-hmm. with traditional VR headsets, you play a game, you take the headset off, and you're like, whoa, I didn't know I was facing this direction. <laughs> yeah, that does happen. The This headset is designed to basically always be kind of a mix of AR with VR. That's why there really wasn't this huge discussion of like full VR stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's always this sense of like, where you are in space, where you are in the room. If people are coming up to you, they know, you know, there's this pass through that happens. You're never going to be surprised by somebody like tapping you on the shoulder unless they're doing it, you know, intentionally to freak you out. But (laughs) well, I mean, it still does full immersion. So you would be surprised, right? Yeah, when you're in the full mode, but if but I would assume this is a setting that you could turn off. Mm. But if somebody literally comes towards you in that kind of bubble of space where you would want to know if they're there, there will be a pass through that happens and you can see them, you know, mm. in that okay. moment. Yeah. Now I would assume that you could turn this off, like say you want to be immersed in a movie and but but then again, maybe not. Maybe they want you to always be aware of that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't so know. You're not always completely isolated. Okay. That was the main thing that they kept saying ironically even though the all of the video examples were people alone in a room um one of the main things that they kept talking about in the gruber interview was we really want people to not be isolated and living in a virtual reality we want them we want this device to add to their life not take away their life and put them in a a fake one we are heading like like i I like that message yeah we're heading like a freight train to wally that movie will be our I know, future. I know. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I will say um, all these things that I learned and hearing the feedback, um, in addition to everybody being freaked out by the dad, another thing that seemed to be extremely consistent was just the unbelievable factor that everybody seemed to experience with this. A lot of people seem to be quite speechless, honestly, and some of these people are tech reviewers and they've really been around the world. You know, they've been testing VR headsets for a while, especially Marquez. I mean, he's tried, I think, you know, a handful of, of them, obviously all the meta, uh, Oculus systems, but then I think he's done some of the higher end, um, headsets as well. Mm -hmm. And he really, I could tell like in his conversation, he was kind of like at a loss for words in some respects. And the simplicity of, and the magic of being able to look at objects and that's your selection and the fact that it actually works. That's the thing that he seemed to be amazed by and the simplicity of just slightly tapping your fingers together to select things. It sounds great. Um, and is it worth the money? I mean, yes, I think it is actually, but are normal people going to be buying it? No, of course not. It's way too expensive, Mm -hmm. but where we are in this time based off of what I'm hearing, it sounds honestly like, they're essentially charging kind of what they can charge for it to get it out. Um, because I think this device is actually really, really, really expensive, um, even from Apple's perspective. So I don't necessarily think they're going to be making money off of this, even though it's already $3,500. Um, so is it worth the money? Because is, I mean, is it worth the money in terms of technology and what it's capable of? Sure. But is it worth the money to anyone in reality? Because what is it adding to your life that you can't do already that's necessary for your workflow? It's like, I, I already have a monitor. I already have a laptop. I already have a phone. I already have a TV. 
you know, mm-hmm. I already have all those things. So it's not really adding anything. It's, it's all neat. It's cool tech, but it's not really adding anything to my life that I need. Right. Or it's like, it's not filling a void. Like when the iPhone came out, it was like a computer in your pocket. Crazy. You know, um, <laughs> well, that I mean, already existed that fil- too with smartphones at the time. Um, yeah, but nothing it, was as touched, thought yeah. out. It's just, it's just interesting that it's like, I think this is a really cool piece of tech. I think maybe the best thing that it could be potentially worth it is if you need a multi monitor setup, well, then maybe just buy the headset because at that point you can put as many monitors in front of you as you need. I think mm-hmm. that's when it maybe would become worth it to people, but just, just in general, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what this thing is. I mean, it's not replacing anything yet um, or it's not, it's not really. Sure. So in, in that regard, I'm saying like, is it worth the money to anyone? Because it's not just a novelty thing just to toss some money at and what it is for some people who are very well off. But um, yeah, yeah. like I, I, I feel like, you know, we want to convince ourselves that it makes sense to buy this thing, especially because we're, we're tech people. And it's like, I just kind of want to try it. And I do, I really want to try it. Um, I just don't see that it's, I don't, I don't see what it's going to do for me that I, I even remotely need, um, at all, other than the fact that it's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I, you are right about the word need. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. I am not going to debate the word need. Um, Yeah. Well, cause like I was even thinking it's like, you know, in our line of work, we need expensive tech things. It happens all the time, but even for us who are tech people, I don't see us needing this thing again, except for maybe the multi-monitor setup, but you can buy monitors pretty cheap. So, um, (laughs) maybe not. Um, so that's just an interesting thing. Well, it's not, I mean, I, I think the multi-monitor idea is a great idea, but practically speaking, um, there will be fatigue with wearing it, obviously. Mm -hmm. So whereas a a traditional monitor with a, a sit stand desk, you can, comfortably work for eight hours at a time you know yeah and that was um, the reason. thing that mark has also said he said it is heavy he's like it's very heavy it's very heavy yeah. without a battery in it and he said and then that was the other one thing is like the battery is only two hours unplugged from a wall um yeah. and, he said, so, and he's like and you're gonna watch a movie that's over two hours and he's like so how does that work i guess you got to be plugged into the wall uh which is kind of hilarious so we're, we're human beings plugged into an outlet it's kind of hilarious um yeah. I'm sure there will be other third-party companies that because it is a USB-C um, system. I think the battery has like a loop through, so mm-hmm. you can plug a USB into the battery. Like the the battery is basically like the wall wart of a MacBook. You know how MacBooks have the brick in between mm-hmm. the cables, so you can use that battery as an in between. So it can be like a safety. So we were thinking about that. How it's like, yeah. Does it have built-in battery? Well, no, it doesn't. Um, but that little battery pack, as far as I'm aware, I've, I've heard like two people talk about this, but I didn't see it in the pictures, but I think you can kind of have a loop through with it. So you can, that's how you plug it into the wall is you plug in the battery pack, which then plugs into the headset, mm-hmm. but then you could use, you know, an anchor battery probably to, to kind of double up or triple up or whatever, or I, I can like- carry around my EcoFlow. <laughs> in a backpack yeah. you could do a battery backpack um that that's gonna be hilarious when people start doing that um i wonder if they'll just make a like almost like a battery case for your iphone they'll make like bat- apple will make you know uh extensions and stuff like that if i'm paying 3500 bucks for this thing i'm not gonna use a third-party battery 
you know <laughs> it you is know interesting mean? that they made it so small i guess just to keep it easy to use um if you're i don't know it's, it's just odd that they made it so small i would have probably made it twice as fat and given me at least four hours you know i bet you apple did so much research into how long the average person can stand having it on their head <laughs> and they probably <laughs> tapped it out at about two hours before either your eyes give in to fatigue and also because it does have the the stuff that shoots into your eyes outside of just a screen mm -hmm. I, what it, it's the lidar stuff and then it's the uh there's another one i can't think of yeah but my friend uh, david amell said it it does get warm uh, your eyes yeah. kind of get a little warm with all that stuff going on yeah and then also again um it's metal and glass i mean it's heavy mm -hmm. uh sucker so it's just gonna weigh on you in fact again like they need to make a headset that'll put the little battery on the back so that it's better balanced um so you're not your neck i mean we, we already have a problem with our iphones where our necks are going down <laughs> so this will add to that but um very interesting yeah and an se version uh that's plastic you know mm -hmm. and <laughs> is a little lighter and cheaper that'd be nice yeah. but um to answer your question need that the, the word need is not there but you know there's that famous quote from um from henry ford if i asked people what they wanted they would ask for a faster horse you know and I think it's kind of a situation where we're going to have to just see what happens over the next five, 10 years. Yeah. Um, this is Apple's first step into it and they truly have done something. Yes, I know it's a VR headset. We've seen VR headsets, but from what I've heard here, um, and, and especially hearing from other tech reviewers, this is different. There's nothing this thought out and this kind of software hardware combination of no expense spared on the software, no expense spared on the hardware. And it's all coming together beautifully and it's actually working. There's no, like when you look at things, it selects it. And when you put your fingers together, it tracks it or it, it you know, clicks it that you don't see the pixels. There's no difference between field of view when you put it on and off. When you look at the photos and the videos, it's like you're looking through a portal and a time capsule. This is all very Apple. Like Apple has done this over the years with Things, you know, with the iPhone, with the Mac in the 80s, you know, the iPod in a way. And so this is their statement. This is, this is, they know who they are. They, you know, Apple takes their time with things. They have been working on this for five years and they've hired some of the smartest people in the world to work on this and they've invested billions of dollars into it. So it better be good. <laughs> and so um, we'll just have to wait and see. Is it worth it? Actually, technically, from a technical standpoint, the price of it. I think validates when I've now learned more about it. Is it worth it for most people? Absolutely not. And that isn't the point. And Apple themselves has said it, that's not the point. So it's just to get it out there, amaze people. Now the difference between the iPhone, the Mac and all these other things, the Apple watch, iPad, all those new products that they made over the years, those are consumer products like from the beginning and the iPhone, especially, you know, even though it was actually twice as expensive as most smartphones at the time, that market is huge and was huge. It was, you know, billions of people that were using cell phones. We're still, you know, even with Meta and with the tens of millions of units that they've sold, VR and these headsets are just not common. And uh, there's just not many units being sold in general. So it is kind of a niche product category just in general. So um, they're kind of battling that in a lot yeah. of ways. So, I don't yeah. Know. 
I agree. One other thing that I found fascinating, because, you know, at the end of the day, this is a luxury product. I mean, it, it, it's almost like, of course. It's like a Leica camera, honestly, in a, in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's the Leica version of a VR headset. You know, it, it's expensive, um, but it, it has those premium qualities to it that people like Leica or people from Apple expect. Um, and one of the things that um, I heard was that they're going to do, they do custom fittings uh, supposedly at the Apple store is what they're going to do uh, for wow. the for the f- part that connects to your face uh, so that it forms that perfect seal, I guess. Dang, uh, so I didn't that's going to be, that yeah, that's going to be really fascinating. If that's true, that was also from Marquez. So that feels like it'll probably be true. Um, that's very luxurious. That's very Rolex. It's like when you're buying a Rolex, they like pour you a glass of champagne. They like yeah. wine and dine you. They, you know. And they may do that. Uh, they may do that with Apple too. Maybe you're going to get some champagne when you get <laughs> hey, I'm fitted. cool with champagne. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. So Dave, you got an opportunity because uh, you kept your Canon R50. I actually... Um, uh, sold mine. Uh, it was great for what it was, but I didn't need it anymore. But you kept yours and you used it uh, today, actually. Can you tell me a bit about um, your experience using the R50 in the actual real world? Yeah, I'm still not sure if I really want to keep this thing for that much longer. Um, I'm still just kind of holding on to it, thinking I might make a video on my review channel. And I think you mentioned you might want to maybe borrow it and <laughs> do yeah. some more content. Um you know, the M50 was just so wildly popular as an affordable kind of everyday camera for the every man's everyday camera. Um, you know, with the, kind of the popularity of the X100, you know, the the revitalization of that camera, which, by the way, is old. I don't know if a lot of people yeah. know this, but the X100V came out, you know, three, four years ago. Old in, uh, old know, in the tech mo- space. Modern tech space. But the Ryko GR as well, same thing. Am I saying it right? Rico, Ryko. Ryko, Rico. Kyle, get me wrong. And then uh, the Leica Q, of course, is the uh, the rich man's version of this. Um, but you don't have to have any of these cameras. You can also get these really tiny little mirrorless cameras. Uh, Olympus has a couple. Sony has, you know, the ZV-1, the ZV-E10. Mm-hmm. Um, and Canon has the now R50 and then the R100, which we didn't even talk about. But it's basically an M50 in a even more plasticky body it's uh, literally <laughs> the m50 it's it's with the an rf same, mount yeah it's the rf mount but it's the same sensor pretty sure and it's the same processor too so it's it is the internals of the m50 they probably had a ton of leftover internals yeah. because that camera was so popular they probably pumped out a ton of them like what do we do with this <laughs> slap an rf yeah, the mount R100, on it it's really it's really fascinating it's just got an rf mount no flip screen, so they're That's doing that to, I think, just keep the cost down as bare minimum as possible. And it is. It's like 400 bucks basically. So it's kind yeah. of amazing that they were able to do it. Um, but I don't think – I think it's worth it to kind of pay just pay a little bit more for the R50. Um, there's more to it. It's a newer sensor, a new processor. Yeah. Autofocus is better. You know, you got the flip screen, all that stuff. So, um, and the hot shoe as well. You can actually use the XLR module if you really want to. I don't think anybody's going to do the, that. Um, but the R uh, the R100 rather is totally the epitome of a Best Buy camera. I yeah, mean, that is that totally. is going to be you know the moms and the grandmoms who w- waltz into Best Buy and they're like, I need a camera. 
to take pictures of my kids. And they'll be like, let yeah. me introduce you to the Canon R100. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And it's just, people just set it on auto. They don't need a selfie screen because they're always just taking pictures of their kids. You know, it's, yeah. it's no big deal. Um, but yeah, I still have the R50 and I also have the little the little kit lens that came with it, the 18 to one, uh, 150. I actually have it here. If you're watching the video, I'm holding it next to my face. So it's in focus because my face is in focus right now. But um, it's a great little tiny little kind of dad cam. And I've been using it to just take pictures of the kids, just shooting JPEG. I'm even just shooting 1080p video. Um, you shoot JPEGs too. Nice. Let's go. Yeah, because I, I found as a dad... Um, I always have these like intentions of going into Lightroom and messing around with all the pictures, but I just never do. So yeah, and all you're gonna JPEG. do is I just shoot straight to JPEG, yeah, and drag it into Apple Photos, and it backs everything up, and there you go. It's great because yeah. all you're so, gonna do anyways is we, edit the raws to look like a JPEG. So yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like <laughs> unless you're you're planning on getting super fancy with you know a hundred photos of your kid, but probably not. <laughs> well, you can still do things with JPEG. You can add contrast. You can fix sure. the white balance a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, it's yeah. it's not like you can't edit a JPEG. Um, but anyways, every two years in Nashville, there's a Nashville Air Show, and it's been two years, and the Air Show is happening this weekend. And I've seen it from afar because we lived in the general region of where this was occurring two years ago. And we could see it from our backyard, actually. But it was just, you know, you could just see these, like, F-15s or F-14s, like, doing flips and stuff. And it was cool. But we never actually went there. And, by the way, it's $50 a ticket to oh. go and sit in the bleachers. We wow. didn't do that. We found a park that wasn't too far from the airstrip. And we just set up with all the other people with our, like, lawn chairs uh, and sat in the shade. And we could get essentially a full clear view and clear shot of the air show from a park for free. So that's what we did. <laughs> wow. That's super but, smart. Um, I would imagine it's really cool though, to sit in the bleachers and see them basically fly, you know, just a couple of feet off of the ground in front of you. Um, mm -hmm. And then obviously you get to see the pilots go in them and see them take off from the ground. So, I mean, I can see the value of that, but uh, anyways, it was so cool. And I took pictures with this camera and I used the um, 150 millimeter zoom and it's a crop sensor. So that's, you know, essentially a 200 mil um, focal length. And it was great. And, you know, just taking JPEGs, taking pictures. And that is really the use case of having a camera that's not your iPhone um, is having a super zoom like this comes in handy because your phone just simply cannot resolve images at 200 millimeters that yeah. looks halfway decent at all. Um, so that was great. But when I would flip over to video and like get some video shots here and there, the autofocus was just kind of wonky and the audio built in isn't very good. So, but, but I don't want to carry a big, you know, microphone while I'm out with the family and stuff. So I really just want to keep it stripped down Basically, the autofocus couldn't couldn't keep up with them, and it couldn't you know track them fast enough. Even with the Canon tracking, it's just like the sky. I think was messing with it because it's does just it, blue. Uh, does it not have uh, air, airplane AI tracking? If you turn that on, yeah, I turned on vehicle tracking. Vehicle is what it's okay. called. Yeah, um, and I noticed it didn't seem to do it perfectly. It would put a square around the plane at a certain point, but okay. it was just like kind of annoying. And I, I ended up 
pulling my iPhone out. And thankfully, because the iPhone is so just run and gun, you just point it at the sky and hit record and it just nails it. Like for the video, at least, I found the iPhone to be a better tool than this. And so I was using these cameras for video recording as well, because I always thought the bigger sensor and the lens and all, all that kind of has a better vibe with home video. And mm-hmm. I still think that to some degree. But when I really look at the video on the iPhone now, especially on you know the 14 Pro, and I'm sure the 15 Pro will be even better, yep. it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. As long as you turn the HDR off, <laughs> I think That's it looks a lot ticket. better with that off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the HDR and looks goofy. The audio is good. You know, they've got some sort of, I think they just have some AI audio stuff going on with the iPhone. The autofocus is great. The image is great. It's doing just all this magic to clean up the image. So you're not going to get noise. And then, and the way I use it, it's like, I'm going to just drag the video from my camera, my SD card into Apple photos and just let it back up to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And obviously on a phone, it does it automatically. So I don't know. I've kind of changed my tune a little bit with everyday carry cameras. I think the iPhone makes the most sense as the right tool for video for an everyday camera filming the kids and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then maybe a small camera like this or an X100 or Ryko GR or Leica Q, whatever it is. Those are your photo cameras because it's very hard to get that full frame look that a Leica is going to give you with a phone or... Even with the R50 here, the fact that I was able to zoom in to 200 millimeters and get these really sharp, really cool, you know, close-up shots of these planes, like there's no way I would get that on a phone. And by the way, I was just looking around at everybody at this air show. Everybody's using their phone. Literally everybody. I, I saw maybe like two photographers with big telephoto lenses. And it's like, those are the nerds who went to an air show to get some cool shots, right? Mm. All of them are shooting on their phones. And these basically they're all going to be going home looking at the footage and they want to show this footage to their friends and family. Yeah. And it's like, look this tiny little speck in the screen uh, on this, in the sky, that was a really cool moment. And it's like, or, or, you know, of course everybody does the pinch to zoom thing when they're like zooming in. Nobody does the like one X, two X, three X or, you know, 0.5. Doesn't it automatically do that when you pinch into a certain point, it switches to the other lens, right? Yeah, it does. It, it does. But I'm just saying like, I don't know. It's the way I think about it is I have three lenses. I have a, you know, I have a 0.5, I have a one X and a two X. And that's why I I look at it too. Select. I just select the lens that I want to use. And if I want to zoom in later, I can pinch to zoom the video if I really want to. But like, why would I bake in a digital zoom? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, but that's, but people don't think that way. They, they're just going to be like, oh, I, I want this image to be bigger. I'm just going to pinch to zoom. There you go. That's good. I was telling Laura, my wife, I just, I can't believe every, there's no cameras anymore. Everybody here is watching this air show, filming and taking pictures of these amazing things with the worst tool, honestly, for that purpose, but none of them care and they don't even know the difference. But like, if you go back 20, 30 years, even the little point and shoot cameras that were film, you know, 35 millimeter point and shoot, or heck, even the little digital ones from the early 2000s, they at least had like a 10 X, 20 X built in optical zoom on it. So you could actually optically zoom in on those little point and shoot cameras. And 
I just feel like that's an area where Apple just needs to figure out how how to like really do optical zoom. I don't know, or or just keep getting this you know digital thing figured out. I guess, but do they need to? I mean, they've clearly done well without it. I mean, yeah, you're right. No, and like nobody said, notices. No nobody one cares. cares. No one cares. I mean, all that they're doing is they're gonna take a little video, you know, vertical, of course. And they're going to post it to Instagram stories and they're going to say, hey, look, everybody, look at this thing that I'm doing that is cooler than what you're doing. Um, and that's it. That's what people are doing. And, you know, it, it, if it's a little blurry or shaky, it, they don't care. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it literally, it's just like a, a video document that's just like, hey, I was here doing this thing. Um me, I mean, and if people do care, there were probably, if you went to the actual show and you paid the 50 bucks, I bet you there were some people set up with some pretty nice rigs to take some pretty cool photos and videos, but that's so rare now. It's crazy. I'm, I am coming from the fact that, you know, I, I'm grateful and, and thankful to be able to have the Lumix system as well. I've got the S5 II mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the 7200. But I actually chose this, you know, intentionally because I didn't want the big, heavy setup. Um, that would have looked better. It probably would have been sharper. The focus may have even worked better. I don't know. I mean, Canon's pretty good. Um, I think it, I think because this lens isn't the best and because it is so small, I don't know. I was just having some issues with the autofocus, but. This was really, you know, a handful of times I've taken this out with the kids and stuff. And it truly, as a, you know, I'm a professional photographer, I guess. I'm not a photographer, but like I, you know, I know what I'm doing with the camera. (laughs) Um, And the fact that like I have this tiny little thing, like I, I do find value in a tiny, tiny little thing like this. And it was great to like have the stroller with the kids and my R50 just slid right into that bag. So nice and neat. It was so tiny. Just fit right in there. With the Lumix system, it's just kind of big and clunky and everywhere. With the Leica, I would have to have it around my neck the whole time to show everybody, like, hey, I have a Leica. Yeah. And I have a Leica. You know, that would get sweaty and, and heavy. Yeah. You would also need a and gun. It, you know, it would probably bang behind in so that, you know, you feel safe walking around with that camera that's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so all this to say, I think iPhone... Um, versus these tiny little everyday camera thing. I think there still is a reason to get these little everyday carry cameras, uh, be, especially for photos. I think there is a huge difference, of course, when we're talking about RAW. I think iPhones have just kind of gotten worse with their photos in a lot of ways because it's just so overprocessed with the HDR stuff. Um, and I don't want to use like a weird app. I mean, I love Halide. It's a great app to do RAW photos, but that just seems like a super pain. I'd rather just shoot JPEG like how I'm doing here, get a nice looking image. It does look better than your phone for pictures, 100%. Even the R50 with the kit lens looks way better for photos. Um, video, I feel like it, it's it, the iPhone is just so good with video. It does have that iPhone look with the video, whereas the R50 does have that mirrorless look that you know may be considered more professional. But when it comes to just home documentation, I think the iPhone, I think I I might be able to be okay with like mostly shooting on my iPhone now. I was like using my C70 to film stuff, which I may still do um, because I think there's value in that too. But um, using the phone for video is totally fine. Um, But using a separate camera like this, I think is there is value to it, even with the R50. So I mean, it's all in in what you want to do and 
what your goals are. Like you said, you're just, I mean, you're just capturing moments and sometimes the whatever's the quickest and honestly, the iPhone quality is great uh, for the most part. So it's just whatever's quickest, whatever's fastest, use it. I mean, that's great. If you want to start learning cameras and you don't have a ton of money, it's like get a camera like the R50 or even the R100 just to start learning camera fundamentals so that when you do get to a bigger camera, you can, you know, you actually understand what's going on. You didn't go from an iPhone to a, you know, Lumix S5 II, because um, that's going to be a harder jump and it's going to be harder for you to understand. And not something you couldn't learn, but it's just going to be harder to understand. So it's all in what you want to do and what you want to learn and what tool you need for the job, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Well, with that, I think we come to a close. Apple Vision Pro, I think we're going to be able to close this book we'll, we'll probably continue to <laughs> we're going to reopen talk, it <laughs> yeah we'll probably continue to talk about it as new things develop but um i just wanted to get in some of that stuff that we learned and um it's obviously going to be really exciting to see uh what apple does in the future one of the funny moments too from the gruber interview he said um you guys mentioned product is releasing early next year what's early <laughs> and then uh their response was before late. <laughs> so, okay. So before June is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if you split the year in half, um, the first half, yeah. it's within that window. So that doesn't mean that it's going to be January. Make a prediction. What do you think? March, mm. early, mid March. Hmm. I'm feeling May. I feel like they're going to cut it in just before the midpoint of the year. You know, they're just going to sneak it in there. I think that's the plan. And that gives us plenty of time to save up. <laughs> yeah, we got to sell everything so that we can buy it. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, uh, thanks again for tuning in. If you are an audio listener, we would really appreciate a rating and review uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast, that really helps. And then if you're on the YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you guys again for being here. I am David Altizer. And I'm Connor McCaskill. And we'll see you next week. And all week because we're posting clips on the YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. Go watch them. Share them with your friends.